and welcome to Reflector Life, the podcast. I'm here to share stories, answer frequently asked questions about being a reflector in the human design system and about human design in general, as well as to talk about what's going on right now. And occasionally, we'll have a guest on to share as well. Thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Amanda Prichelle, and this is a sliver of the experience of being human. Amplified. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. The moon right now is currently passing through gate five, which is the gate of fixed patterns and natural rhythms. And again, I always like to share where the moon is just because it helps you understand where I'm coming from and my perspective in each of the episodes. If you haven't had a chance yet, you can find out more about your lunar cycle by taking my lunar cycle workshop, which I will link in the show notes below the episode. So it's definitely been an interesting week this week. I had quite a day on Thursday. On Wednesday this past week, I found myself in a bit of rage. And when I say a bit of rage, it's kind of an understatement, (laughs) to be honest. But I ended up just feeling a lot of anger on Wednesday night. And I think a large part of that is because I um, was experiencing the transit of gate 35 and um, Venus was passing through 35 on, on Wednesday. It's, it's now moved out of 35, but, um, that was going on on Wednesday. And then I also, uh, live with my emotional manifestor partner, um, who has the 4037 emotional wave. And I think honestly, what was going on was I needed a bit of space and I needed to process what was going on in the transits in my body. So I had that awareness and I had that moment of thinking like, yeah, I think, you know, I need to take some space. I need to maybe go for a walk or something, but I didn't, I just stuck around and yeah, I just ended up kind of fueling that intensity that was going on. Um, and then I woke up on Thursday and was in seriously excruciating pain. And I thought it was my appendix and sorry for those of you who don't like medical information. I really don't either. So I won't go too much into this, but essentially several hours later, I was in the hospital thinking, oh my gosh, like, do I need to have surgery and all of this? And, um, the moon coincidentally was moving through the spleen as I was in the hospital. I think that actually helped me and served me as I was in there because I don't typically do very well in hospitals with my completely open spleen. But um, yeah, the moon was in gate 50 while I was in there, which I think gave me a little boost of advocating for myself and um being able to take care of myself while I was in that kind of situation. Um, And it had been in 32 earlier in that day. Anyway, it turned out to be a kidney stone. 
Some of you maybe saw me talking about that on my Instagram story, but I've had a little more time to process what all of that was. And I think it's really interesting because um, each of the each of the centers, the energy centers in the body is correlated with our physical selves in some way. And the kidney is actually correlated with the emotional solar plexus. So whether it was the transit, the 35, which connected to my 36, whether it was um, whatever my emotional manifest or partner was going through, whether it was some combination of the two of those things, um, I think it's really interesting that I had an issue with my kidney the next day after experiencing this intensity of um, emotional solar plexus energy and not really doing what I needed to do to take myself out of that situation <clears throat> or to just give myself some space, give myself some uh, alone time or whatever it was that I would have needed. But sometimes the best way to learn a lesson is to go through it. I am not a third line, but I do like to sample things. So there's that. Um, but I'm doing a lot better. Thank you, everyone who, you know, reached out and asked if I was okay and, um, you know, sent your love, your prayers, your Reiki, all of that. I really appreciate that. And um, yeah. Okay. So speaking of my emotional manifester partner, I'm going to personalize him a little bit because he is here among us. So welcome. Uh, I, I would love to call you by your name, at least your last name, if that's cool name. with you. <laughs> yeah, totally cool. Okay, perfect. So everyone, human design heretic, um, the big reveal, his, his name, his last name is actually. Sing. Everyone Sing. calls me Sing. Yeah. Not everyone. He, he does have a, a real first name, but uh, we don't, we don't talk about that here, do we? <laughs> uh, I mean, you're welcome to, uh, all, all my friends call me Singh, but. Uh, yeah. Okay. So last time we just called him heretic, but I don't know, this time I'm in the mood for something a little more personal, slightly, ever so slightly. So. With a good I... 12 in your cross, you have to be in the mood always. <laughs> exactly. So. Today on the good old Instagram, I put out a question box and we got a couple of questions for Singh and I to answer. Um, so we're going to go through those and uh, something just popped into my mind, which is that after the last episode that we did together, which you can go back and listen to if you'd like to get an introduction to Singh and um you know, just hear that first episode, get a little background. You could do that pause, go to there, come back later. Um, I got a message from someone who said that in that episode, I had asked you like what it was like to be around me as a reflector and to be in my presence and all of that. And um, we got like lost on some side trail and you didn't actually answer the question. So she was hoping that, um, that you could answer that. So Sophia, if you're listening, um, that's for you. I'll maybe like circle back around to that at the end. So you have like 
a minute to to process and ponder that in your solar plexus if that's cool thanks i appreciate that (laughs) yeah so i'm gonna just jump right into this first question but i want to give you an opportunity to say hey if you're feeling it say hey to everyone on reflector life the podcast um yeah i am happy to say hi to everyone on reflector life the podcast uh i do myself enjoy reflector life the podcast um i listen to it and i am sounds low so uh in a way it it feels good to me it feels correct to like put that frequency into my system and i would yeah happy to be here thank you thank you for that um i know that (laughs) being in you know if you are sounds low I imagine, or even if just sound is a part of your variable, I I feel like it's a good thing to like the sound of your partner's voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I actually, I'm, I'm not completely explaining it. I think it matters a lot. Like if you are like on any part, like on the solar plexus binary, or if you are sensitive to like frequency and sound, if you don't like the way uh, someone's voice sounds, that's something to pay attention to. Um, mm-hmm. I made the mistake of not paying attention to sounds in the past. And it's such a small, but very like big part of like the deconditioning process, at least for me. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons, a lot of different reasons why sound could be, you know, potentially, I think anything that the senses pick up, you know, whether you are, a reflector, whether you're splenic, whether you're on the solar plexus binary and attuned to frequency, perhaps. Um, yeah, I think that just paying attention to the body more in general is always like something to take note of, but yeah. Um, glad you, glad you like listening to the podcast. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I would think like that you would get sick of hearing me because I talk to you like all the time, but, um, thank you. Little ego boost for my little undefined ego. Thank you. So I'm just going to jump into the first question. This question is from Britta. So thank you, Britta, for asking this. Um, they said, do you have, do you both have undefined ego centers? So I'll just answer this right off the bat. No, as a reflector, I have an undefined ego center, of course, but Singh has a defined ego and he actually has three out of the four channels um, coming out of the ego defined. So um, he has the 4037 emotional wave, the 4521, as well as the 2644. So there's a lot going on in your ego. Um, there is, there is, it's a defined ego and it's all pretty much conscious. And I would describe the ego as, um, part of my authority, even though my technical authority is solar plexus, uh, the way I feel it and the way I experience the ego is more of like what I call an ego plexus authority. Like it, um, it, it just rolls into one big demanding emotional wave that like it uh it's an it's not anything that 
you can take lightly in the sense that I, I think I have noticed a lot of people undermining or discounting uh, what the ego demands. And I, I think it's, uh, it, it can be shadowy. It can be um, painful to completely confront the truth about what the ego is and what a defined ego like entails in terms of just respect or uh, being able to be quote unquote fed. Um, I, I don't know. How do you experience my defined ego? Yeah. I mean that, I think all of that is true. I think that when you read something in a textbook and it's like the defined ego is like this, it has willpower, you know, whatever you read about it. And, and then taking that kind of textbook information, the words on the page and bringing that into your real actual lived experience. It's something that's like, it's one of those cases of like, easier said than done, which I think is everything about design. And that just like, as a side note, I always, like, we were just talking about this earlier that I really feel like it's so much slower than anyone realizes. And even you just said something interesting, which is like, it can be shadowy to have a defined ego and to like, you know, you were saying this to me earlier as well to like have a defined ego and to feel like I want too much and to have like a kind of like repression of those desires because you're like, I don't want to be too much for other people. And that is something that I see, um, in you, you know, that's, that's one of the many things that I see in you regarding your, your defined ego. And Um, The question goes on here, which is, what would be some things to take note of being in a relationship when he has a defined ego center? So um, uh, their partner has a defined ego and they have an undefined ego. So I could. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, if I could advise someone who's in a relationship with a defined ego and they don't have one is um like if it's possible just sort of separate the defined ego from your partner for like momentarily and see if you can possibly provide the ego with something in exchange for what you're receiving from the ego because the ego demands but it also provides and if it's providing something on some level whether it's an unconsciously defined ego or it's like in the personality it wants something in return and um i would just be weary of what you are doing for it on a separate level than like even your partner because it it can ratchet in a very slow way at least the way i experience it the way my wave is it is a ratchet wave and it it can take a lot more than a lunar cycle or a lot more than a solar cycle even to completely process what it feels is okay in terms of respect and what is not acceptable for the ego to be receiving and 
if you're like respecting it and on some level at least acknowledging it, um, I think that goes a long ways. Am I being mm -hmm. vague? No. When you say a solar cycle, do you mean a day or like a, a solar year? <laughs> no, I mean like sometimes an entire year will go by yeah. before my ego realizes that it's not okay with the way it has been either compensated or it's like receiving like a, a verbal communication that is disrespectful or um, anything that undermines it that's not fair it, it sounds childish to even say like oh that's not fair but the ego the heart the the defined heart center on some visceral level knows if it's a heartfelt properly like balanced exchange and I think other people also know and because the defined ego can be imposing and it can put pressure on other people, um, the, there is a tendency to try to take advantage of it or receive what the ego provides without doing something fair in exchange. And uh, I, I don't recommend it because it's, 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 it's just like a powerful force. And uh, if you recognize it, I think it does a lot for you in return. You don't recommend taking advantage of the ego, is that what you mean? Correct. Like, because um, of the tribal nature of the ego and like the ability for the ego to create a new situation or will itself into providing resources and or something related to the community, like it, it does a lot, but it's almost never without like, there's no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> yeah yeah if the ego had a mantra um i i think it's interesting because it obviously depends on what your specific definition is if you have a defined ego so there's going to be these like different flavors of the defined ego but essentially it is generally speaking very tribal very much like concerned with um respect and um, it, it doesn't really feel the need to prove itself, right? Because that's kind of inherently in it, which is a little bit hard for me to understand because it's like, uh, as someone with a, an undefined ego, like there is this tendency to want to prove myself and to want to be like, Hey everyone, look, I have value. I'm worthy. But the, so just on a basic level, the defined ego, it knows its worth. And it knows what its work is worth and it knows what it's outputting is worth on some level, whether that that person is consciously aware of that or not. There's this depth of like, I know that I'm worth something. And I do think that um, manifestors and um, I, I would say also just anyone with a defined ego is going to probably face situations in their life. Like even just when they're born, like they're going to probably on some level come out of the womb and everyone's like, you know, we need to control this person because otherwise they're going to control us. And why is that? Because like something like, um, 70% of people or like 67% of people or something like that have an undefined ego and are going to be you know, 
stuck in that not self of the undefined ego, trying to prove themselves, trying to prove that they're valuable and worthy and all of that. Whereas a much smaller percentage of people, which is like 33 or something, I guess I actually, I think I like mentioned this in the last episode when I was talking about integrity, um, you know, these, these numbers, I clearly did not look up the specifics. I'm just like going based on like my memory (laughs) from a, a long time ago. But, um, anyway, I, um, I think it's really important to just know the basics of the, the defined ego and the undefined ego and how they come into the world and what that not self theme is for the undefined ego. Um, I think that, with any not self theme, there's always the opposite end of the spectrum that isn't always talked about. So while there might be a tendency to prove oneself, um, that can look like, you know, being overly humble or, um, you know, kind of being like, Oh, I don't really know what I'm worth. There's like this overactive side of it too, that can be like really loud and really in your face and really, um, like, yeah, I know I'm worthy. Yeah. I'm really worthy. I look at me, look at my scores, look at my, look at my record, look at my, this, look at my, that look at me. And then, you know, again, on the other side, this is what, you know, I tended towards when I was a kid, I was very much like, I'm worthless. I don't have any worth. And like, what's the point of being me? Because, what do I have to offer anyone? You know, just kind of this, this undervaluing, undervaluing myself. Um, so anyway, I think, you know, just paying attention to the general themes and then also knowing that the undefined ego will always amplify the defined ego in the relationship. Okay. And then it just in the world in general. <laughs> um, and so, that's where a lot of that proving energy comes in. So if you're in a relationship with someone, and this is something that I need to keep myself in check with, um, some a very stupid example of this is like we both have Apple watches and there is like a like a fitness competition each week that's like how many hours you know did you stand each day how many people who have Apple watches will will know this we live in Silicon Valley we can't help ourselves um there's, you know, how much exercise did you get in terms of minutes and then, um, or like calories burned or something. And then, um, how much did you move or I don't know, there's three different goals and like you get points. And so each week we have this like competition and like, probably it's not healthy, like, but it's kind of like funny and small and doesn't seem to matter that much. But I do find myself sometimes like at night, if I haven't closed all of my rings, I'm like, Oh, I just need to like do some jumping jacks or push ups and like tell the watch I'm exercising for like five minutes so I can close my rings so that I can get the points that I need. So it's like this very, that's like a very silly example. Um, but I think it illustrates a point in kind of like a more humorous way than maybe some of the heavier examples of of what the the undefined ego can do in a relationship. It's like always checking in with yourself. What am I trying to prove? Because there's probably something. There's probably something that you're trying to prove. Um, If you feel like, well, I'm not trying to prove anything. Like there's probably even more things that you're trying to prove that you haven't uncovered yet. Um, I think. I think that's a really interesting example because I (laughs) also will like 
happily try to close my rings on my Apple Watch. And I think it's kind of fun. And I think it's silly. And I think it's a way to like try to be more active. But it never, like, I think the the main way the defined ego is different from an undefined ego is the sense that the the way I experience energy with an open, completely gateless sacral is that the energy I have comes from my ego being defined by my solar plexus. So that like motorized channel going straight to my throat, I, I feel energy if I get complimented or if I feel uh, recognized. I, I have like a couple uh, projected channels, but if I feel like the effort and value that I'm providing is appreciated and that like either my tribe or my partner or like my friends recognize me in a way and and feel some kind of respect for me that is verbally communicated and I feel informed about it what it does is it converts into like an energy source like a, a limited amount of fuel like for me to continue what I'm doing like either like go to work one more day or to like do one more activity that I may not normally have the energy for, but if I feel like I'm respected and or fed on some energetic level, it could be like physically fed, it could be like uh, emotionally fed, it could be like fed by literal food and or human touch, that somehow allows the ego to like power through and push through things that seem inhumane to a lot of people. <laughs> inhumane is an interesting word choice. I, I think that, yeah, just again, because most people don't have a defined ego, it's like probably on some level we're like watching you guys with defined egos and we're like, how did you push through that? Now, I, I want to note that it's not always healthy for like the defined ego to push through just because it can, especially if your sacral is undefined. So I'm just making that note, but it's, it's really, it can be really harmful to your health. Um, but I do think like what you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that the fuel for the ego actually prevents it from, from burning you out. So like I've, from what, from my perspective, what I see happening in you, what I see fueling you is like being paid and being paid well, um, receiving compliments and praise for like the, the contributions that you have made, um, whether those are small things like, oh, you picked up something at the store and brought it home and like appreciate the recognition for doing that. Or something bigger like, oh, like my financial contribution to the family or, um, you know, my, what does my presence do for you as a person? Like, those are the things, like, if I, you know, tell you, if I inform you, this also is specific to you because you're a manifester. So if I inform you, um, hey, I, I really appreciate you as a person in my life. And this is why that I see that also providing fuel for your ego to keep going. And, um, it's, it's not like 
you know, it, it's, it's interesting because I think that as I'm hearing myself talk, I'm like, oh, well, I could just keep feeling and feeling and feeling, but I think it is a very attuned to like, especially in that 2644 that you have defined, it's attuned to like when something is like bullshit and it can pick up on that. And it knows when, when the praise and, um, the feel that's being provided is genuine and when it isn't. And so, I mean, that's what I see definitely in your, in your 2644 channel, um, which oh, for I, sure. yeah, I think that has like a, like a bullshit detector. And so like, yeah, you can maybe like to a certain extent, like manipulate the ego by, by feeding it and feeding it, but eventually it's going to find out that like, you're full of shit. If you're like giving it lies just in order to use it and get something out of it without really providing anything of value in return. Um, well, I will give you a secret. You, not <laughs> just you, but anyone can manipulate a defined ego into providing it with um, resources or safety or any anything that they're unable to like push through because that's what the willpower is. Like in a way, like the ego center is so very much intertwined with what it is to be a manifester that like there's no other center that is more manifestory than the ego center but it, it can be controlled and or manipulated um to the extent that it is like compensated or receiving food or like being any like kind of connected to another individual where it feels respected and equally provided for because it provides and then it expects in a way and mm -hmm. a lot of people are not okay with the bargain because they think oh it's uh just a free ride or it's it's like it's what the ego does but it is also limited it's like it's sometimes like it seems like you're giving a gift but actually you expect something in return <laughs> um and it's interesting you know because i it, only one of the channels in the ego is a manifested channel. So only one of only one of the channels goes to the, the throat. The other three are actually projected channels. So I just want to make note of that because I, I think because um, there is that manifested channel there, a lot of uh, manifestors might have a defined ego, but there are also a lot of manifestors who don't have a defined ego and they have their, um, manifested channel coming out of the solar plexus. So that could be a very different, um, flavor of manifestor, so to speak. Um, I just want to make note of that, but, um, yeah. So just kind of going back to the question and like, what, what advice or what, you know, information do we have to give you about, about a relationship? First of all, in literally any relationship, abuse is not okay. Right. And here's something about the ego. Sometimes it wants a lot and it, and it doesn't respect boundaries and that's not okay. Right. The ego being also, um, sometimes is told no, and it may not like that resistance, but that's a part of life. 
And so as a person with an undefined ego, I grew up with someone who had a defined ego in my household. Um, and now of course, like, you know, here we are together, I've defined ego, like a very important person, um, in my life with a defined ego, I need to know that I I need to know my own limits and I need to be very attuned to my own awareness to know when I need to say no to the ego, to know when I need to say no to the bargain and to know when to say yes to the bargain as well. And sometimes being a reflector, I need time. I need a lot of time. And, um, I think that it it can be an interesting combination because the ego, sometimes maybe it wants it and it wants it right now. And sometimes I don't have anything to give it. And so it, it can be, it can, I could see it being a point of contention in relationships very much so. Um, and I can also see instances where the defined ego takes, even though it's been told no. And so it, there's, there's just, it, it, it's just kind of a, a difficult conversation to have. Um, and I guess I should have given a trigger warning, but here it is. If, if you are a person with an undefined ego in a relationship with a defined ego, just know Know how you need to take care of yourself and do that for yourself. Always have, you know, it's, it's harder, I think, to have boundaries. Um, as a reflector, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, I can shape shift, I can flow in and out of different kinds of situations. Um, but it's just a matter of like trusting your body and, knowing like, first of all, that you don't have anything to prove to this person who may make you feel sometimes like you need to prove something to them. Um, well, also if you are in a loving relationship with this person, giving them the respect of information, giving them the respect of clear communication about what you're willing to do and not do. Um, and just knowing like, that you can also be an active participant in this bargain making <laughs> that the ego wants to do. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting one. Cause, because just because it can be so overpowering, um, I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that? I, otherwise we can move on to the next, <laughs> the next question. Um, I'm happy to move on, but I also think there's something to be said for you know there's like that age old cliche of the heart wants what it wants and if you have a defined ego center um, you are in the minority but chances are you probably know if something is unfair because the way it shows up in your body is that heartache that literal pain in the heart that heavy chest or like heavy heartedness of something not being right of something not being fair and it might be you are being taken advantage of because you are able to willfully power through and create a situation for either yourself or others or you're able to 
bend life force energy. It's not life force energy, but you're, you're bending the will and you're able to create and it, it, it's a, it's a toll it's draining. And all it asks for in return is some kind of verbal recognition or respect or just acknowledgement of what it has done. And if you're not getting that from your job, from your friends, from your partner, you're going to notice it in your heart. And if you're feeling a pressure in your heart center, whether you're undefined or you're defined, like your, your, your body's trying to send you a message. Yeah. So pay attention to that. Yeah, absolutely. And just a note about personal responsibility is like, if a bargain isn't working out for you, check in with yourself first and see if there's something that you're not giving yourself because you may have a situation at your workplace with your employer, or, you know, you've encountered something unfair in the world. If you have a defined heart, you come home and, and you're interacting with your partner and it comes out there like, oh, I, you know, something little happens and it's like, this is unfair, but maybe, I mean, this, (laughs) I can share that this has happened with us a few times and, um, it's, it's great because, I can recognize when this is going on, if something really small has happened between us and I'm like, oh, there's something going on with you. That's not fair on a larger scale. Right. And, um, yeah. So just, just also just knowing each other, right. Like knowing each other and, and there's so much more that goes into a design of someone than just the ego. But the question was about the ego. So that's why we're so focused on that right now. Um, yeah, uh, the ego is, it's great. It's such an interesting, it's, it's one of the heaviest conditioning factors, um, of our experience as being humans. So it's definitely something that's a lot to unpack. Um, but thank you saying for sharing all of that. Cause I think it's really valuable for, I mean, I think a lot of people who listen to this are reflectors, obviously people who have an undefined ego. It's really good to hear the perspective, which is more rare (laughs) of a person with a defined ego. So thank you. No, it's good. And I think it's something worth talking about because um, it, uh, as far as I know, it's not really delved into deeply as much as it, uh, it it could be so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, just the, what does it look like in real life conversations, I think are valuable, even if like, sometimes it's hard to put these concepts into words. Um, But it, in terms of describing your own lived experience of the thing, but um, we're out here, we're doing it, we're trying it, (laughs) we're seeing how it goes. Um, out here indeed. (laughs) Uh, okay. I'm going to move on to the next question, which is how does your aura experience the program versus how his experiences the program? So will you be so kind as to inform us of, uh, what is the program for anyone who doesn't know what that means? Yeah, um, the program, I guess, is uh, more or less the conditioning forces that are influencing the entire planet 
um, mm-hmm. all of the time. And yeah, I, I guess we're fortunate to be aware of them because um, for most of history, it, it was not even known. I mean, I guess like people knew astrology on some level and they were like, hey, these constellations seem to be influencing us to be more action oriented. So we're going to describe them as fire signs. But um, I think anyone who comes across uh, mechanical information and the human design system in any form and resonates with it, uh, you're fortunate to have the understanding and like consciousness to at least tap into on some level like these invisible neutrinos that are constantly like influencing us and more often than not we're like oh I did this or you did that or this screwed up my entire life because I messed up in this way or I got a kidney stone oh no (laughs) what have I done wrong (laughs) right right so um uh, like Ra was able to translate that into the the various gates and lines and transits that are are a cycle. It's a wheel and it repeats itself. And um, yeah, I, am I describing the program at all? Yeah, yeah, you you got it. And I think um, you know, just a little note: like astrology is a little more complex than this is a fire sign. But I think we both know that. <laughs> Um, we, we have a lot of respect, (laughs) we have a lot of respect for astrology and all of that knowledge that, that was available to humans long, long before, um, human design came onto the scene and got really specific about, um, what was going on during each sign, right. In terms of the hexagrams, um, the gates. So, um, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the, the, the program is essentially like what human design is based off of, like where the program was 88 days before you're born. And also like the day of your birth is more or less your like mind and body together. So in human design, we very much are always paying attention to the program, whether you're like a manifester, a generator, a projector, um, reflectors and manifestors are primarily conditioned by the program and secondarily conditioned by the auras of others and it's inversely true for projectors and generators yeah projectors and generators are more influenced orically by others and then yeah like you said manifestors and reflectors because and the reason for this is because of the sort of closed uh closed off nature of the aura of a manifester and a reflector so a manifester is often described as having a closed and repelling aura and a reflector's aura is resistant and sampling so very different but there is a like a similarity in the lived experience i think um in terms of like other people not quite being able to get in and and see what's going on inside um <clears throat> But obviously we have two very different beings, but two beings who like understand each other on a pretty deep level, I think of like, I'm kind of on the outside looking in. Right. And manifestors are always on the outside. And I think it's becoming more and more obvious that manifestors and reflectors tend to be drawn to one another mechanically, even if they're not even in the experiment, it's, it's yeah. purely mechanical. And it's 
it's actually wild how many reflector manifester like romantic pairings I know and or like reflector manifester work relationships or friendships like deep friendships from like childhood like I've heard it all but it's like so interesting and I know that not every one of these relationships has been you know quote a positive experience but there is still something to be said about these two auras being drawn together because of some um I don't know like what word to use but it's it's just some some similarities on on like the surface level I would say um that's like hey you're you're kind of like me in some way I don't really know how but um also manifestors are here to initiate reflectors are here to be initiated not necessarily by anyone but um it can be a very smooth process and we talk about that more in our first episode so how do our auras experiencing experience the the transits the the program the conditioning field differently so i'll say for me as a reflector reflectors are are the raw called us the weather people right like we were able to like there's a lecture where he's like they went out onto the top of the pyramids and they licked their finger and put it to the sky and they were like ah i know what's going on out here um And so reflectors are by nature, the most attuned to the transits out of any type. And it's definitely true for me. It's proven true over and over and over again. And sometimes it's like, you know, I look at my life and I look at the patterns that are playing out and I can look back and I can see wow, you know, the moon in particular, the moon is important for reflectors as lunar beings. Um, I can look back and I can see, wow, on when the moon was in, like just a silly example, when the moon was in gate 59, like a couple of months ago, Singh and I were in this thrift store. And then the next month I realized, I had no idea, There's this was not planned, that The moon moved into gate 59 and we went to that same thrift store. And when that occurred to me, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, am I even a real person? Like, or, you know, and so there's this concept of no choice in human design. Right. And I think that it's really interesting because obviously like, uh, on some level I could look at this and say, well, I chose to go to that thrift store, but like, did I, or like, was it just some desire to like, have something new in my house to dig through, to find something in a going to a thrift store for me is a creative process. You have to dig through a bunch of shit to find something that's really cool that you can incorporate into your life that, and, and so it, it is a creative process for me to go searching in a thrift store. And the 59, six is about, it's the channel of, of, of sexuality of mating. Creating life. Right. Procreating more or less. And, and for the, you know, procreating for the continuation of, of the tribe really. And so, you know, it's like, well, how do we go from that to like going to a thrift store? But well, I have the, the six. So when the moon is in 59, I don't know if I, how many, I probably mentioned that like a hundred times on this podcast. So y'all probably know, but the, 
it's like, well, it seems like a stretch, but for me, that is a creative process. And I am maybe birthing something new into my home, (laughs) even if it's something as silly as, you know, finding like a great gold picture frame at the thrift store. Right. Which is what I found on one of those shopping trips. Um, So I feel very, very connected to the lunar cycles, whether I'm consciously paying attention to them or not. I feel very, um, you know, affected and moved as if being moved by a river. If I, you know, look at my life, I'm like, wow, I just, I don't even, I'm having trouble finding the words. I am moved by the transits. The transits move me and what I feel and experience it's, it's this mechanical process and I am a person, I am a human and I'm, I have a soul and I'm having this mystical experience of being alive. And yet it can be explained so often by the mechanics of the transits. It's incredible. Yeah, it is really interesting to observe because um, Alok actually describes it often um the way he does it is really interesting because he's spanish but he says manifestors and reflectors they're both following life whereas generators and projectors they follow others and what i interpret life as is like the transit field so whether it's 70 percent of the neutrinos coming from the sun or it's the moon what i am responding to, I don't respond, right? But what moves me, whether it's to rest or to initiate or to inform is what's happening probably in the sun or the earth or some kind of transit. And if you are a manifester in a relationship with a reflector, you will often see that the reflector is also experiencing what you're experiencing, possibly to a lesser extent because of the amplification. Like I also experience 59 in any transit, but because my solar plexus is defined, it's um, similar, but different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, well, something, you know, to note, but it, the difference in how these two experiences operate is the manifester has definition. So just straight away, there's something there that is, sort of a buffer to anything else from the outside, whether that is, you know, other people or whether it is the transit. So there's, you have your own definition, you have your own system operating within you that is a buffer to anything else getting inside. Right. And I don't have that as a reflector. So it's definitely a different experience, but I, Like the thing is, is that none of us can escape the transits. Like we can change our environment. We can change our, uh, the people in our lives that, that we're around on a consistent basis, but what we cannot change and do not have any control over whatsoever is the transit field. Because like, what are you going to do? Like hide from, (laughs) you can't, you can't hide from, from the neutrinos, right? You just have to surf the seas sail the seas. And so like the, 
the thing that is interesting is that because none of us can escape it and the manifester is less conditioned by other people due to the nature of the aura, um, just by default, they're going to be feeling the, the transits more because they cannot be escaped. Yeah, for sure. And like, um, I mean, if you've ever known a manifester or you are one, like you kind of notice them in the room. You're like, why are you not conditioned by all these forces that other people are conditioned by? Why are you weirder? Why are you acting differently? And I think on some level, mechanically, manifestors notice that whether it be in other manifestors or other reflectors, they automatically are able to observe and notice that like, hey, this person is also like marching to the beat of their own drum. They are not conditioned by these very strong conditioning forces that other people seem to be conditioned by. And that makes them strange to me. Like, why is this person so weird? Other conditioning forces, meaning like other people, you mean? Right. Yeah. the question like originally was how do I, or how does a manifestor experience the reflector? And in my experience, cause I have a number of manifestor and reflector friends in addition to knowing projectors and generators. And the way I describe it is that I can hang out with my manifestor and reflector friends for extended periods of time without feeling like my system is being imposed upon. Does that make sense? And I don't mean to like offend any uh, like focusing aura or generator, but when the manifester is around another manifester, the aura is not being like eaten. Well, it's not, there's no attempts. (laughs) There's no attempts for someone to get inside. So basically what you're saying here is we've sort of, we've sort of moved into why, what is it like to be around others as a manifester versus what is it like in, in the transit field? What is it like to feel the transits? So as a manifester, having um, the closed and repelling aura, which I know, I know that phrase is like off-putting to people, but it's just, it's just true. <laughs> it's just true. Um, and I've, I just, I've ha- had so many manifestors in my life and it's just like, wow, that's definitely, that's definitely a real thing. Well, no um, one wants to be repelling, right? No one well, enjoys being yeah. repelling. I think it's great. I think it's great because you're anyone who's not cool with what you are is going to be gone. And how, how convenient, (laughs) you know, it's like a, like a buffer. So it is convenient if you can get to that point where you're okay with the fact that certain people are not correct for you and it's actually protective for you not to have them in your life. Exactly. And I think that where people struggle with, with that, oh, I don't like that languaging is, um, coming from a place of, well, I want, I want to be more like a generator. I want to be more like a projector. I want to be someone who is cuddly and who sees into the, you know, so it's, I think that that stems from wanting to be something other than, than you are, but like, 
what a gift to repel anyone who's not for you. That's such a, that's such a beautiful mechanical quality that you have. And I think you should own it. Sorry. I just told manifestors. Wait, I just told manifestors like that they should, I just should on manifestors. Uh, I would like to rescind that and just say, it would behoove you if you should so choose to embrace the quality, the repelling quality of your beautiful aura. Okay. Well, that's perfect for what I want to talk about briefly. Like I, the word cuddly and the word manifestors, I think often get thrown together because people say or want to say that, oh, manifestors are cuddly and like, the closed and repellingness is just an exterior front and deep down inside they're lovable teddy bears, but actually they're not. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I fully agree. Cause I think that you're like, you have this like hard shell, but you're like a soft little turtle baby underneath. Right. Like, I'm sorry, that that's maybe going too far. <laughs> but I think I that you are... a soft little turtle baby. <laughs> like, you have this shell, but the thing is, is that the shell's not going anywhere. Like, it's a part of you. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry to compare you to a turtle, but I think turtles are awesome. I think they're absolutely wonderful, like, fascinating dinosaur-like creatures. But I think that it's interesting because the you know, yeah, there is this softness, but the shell's not going anywhere. Like you're not leaving your shell behind. Like you're not picking it up like a shield and putting it down and picking, it's just always with you. Right. And so in order to know, to know of the softness inside, you have to also love that hardness on the outside. And, and I mean, who doesn't love a turtle? Right, right. Who doesn't? I mean, I like turtles. I like dinosaurs. But what, what my point is that I think because there's this level of awareness within the human design community about the fact that manifestors have anger as a not self, about the fact that like manifestors have, you know, statistically committed genocide more than any other aura type, I think there's this tendency to want to accept, and it comes from a good place. But there's this desire to love, accept, and maybe welcome the manifestor aura, which hasn't been something that the closed aura has experienced in the past because of the fact that they've mostly been kings and dictators. But um, I think on some level, it's not fully acknowledging the power that comes with the closedness and almost like the it danger feels a little disrespectful it doesn't want to acknowledge the potential danger that's there and i think that if you if you don't recognize the anger the potential of what anger actually means because i think the logical end of anger is like potentially murder (laughs) and it's potentially harm and it's potentially destruction and so like I'm not saying that that it's okay to take someone's life I'm absolutely not saying that there there is a level of self-awareness in a manifester that you know 
doesn't want to suffer those consequences. And ultimately the freedom of, yeah, may probably not going to jail is going to outweigh the, you know, desire to harm or whatever, but that, that potential is still there in a manifester, that intensity, and it is not often accepted or embraced. Like it's not because it's historically and for obvious reasons is not something that's easy necessarily for the rest of us to be like, we love you. (laughs) Please hang out with us. Like you might destroy us, but you want to come hang out and I don't know, like go get dinner. It's, It's because that bitterness and frustration and disappointment, they don't carry the same physical threatening safer right and so if the power is not acknowledged on some level it feels like something is being discounted and I don't know I'm just trying to say like they they can be cuddly I I know a lot of them um but it, it feels like something is not fully being acknowledged you can't have one without the other and i think we're in wanting to include the manifester (laughs) because we see oh okay there's this awareness the manifestors may be on the outside looking in which is Um, nice it's appreciated because both manifestors and reflectors in our current like world and the way that it's going they're going to be on the outside and especially if you look at children for a reflector, you, by the way, it's not correct for a reflector to be on the outside. Ideally, they are in the center, but unfortunately, the way the ways in which the reflector has been misunderstood puts us also on the outside. Yeah, the level of alienation that reflectors and manifestors experience um, as children, especially, I think, can change with not like awareness of mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're getting, we're getting, we're coming up on a little over an hour here. So I'm going to like start to wrap this up and we'll have you back on at some point to answer more questions and to, I don't know, just continue this conversation. Cause I think it's actually really important and interesting um, to have, but I will, um, bring it back around to that question that you kind of briefly had mentioned of like, what do you experience with me personally? Um, and then, you know, what do you experience with reflectors in general? Um, what, what's it like? What's it like to be around a reflector? What's it like to be around me? What does it feel like to you? However you want to go about that, feel free. Yeah, for sure. I think the way I experience reflectors in general is that um, the reflectors in my life, they give me a greater experience of myself. And that's kind of the most one can ask for if you are not aware of either your impact completely or like you're still like on some level learning about how you exist. So I think in a way I enjoy being around reflectors because like it makes like on a very like primal 
narcissistic level, it makes me understand myself more and I can experience myself more, but also I don't feel exhausted mechanically. And if I'm around a projector for an entire day, or even if I'm with a generator or sometimes even like a manifester, because of the definition, I feel tired after a number of hours. And like you and I, we share one electromagnetic. So the level of exhaustion isn't the same. And like who you are specifically, you share half my cross. So the six and the 36, they feel very familiar to me. And uh, it, it's so unconscious for me because my six and 36 are both not conscious. And I mean, I have a mom on the cross of Eden and I, I, I get the energy that comes with not being afraid of confronting an uncomfortable truth or being able to shine in a time of crisis. And so that's specific to you, but in a way, like being around any reflector feels correct for me as a manifester. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. And I, I have six and 36 in my conscious sun and earth and Singh has six and 36 in his unconscious sun and earth. His design day is actually my birthday. So I don't know if I said that in our last episode, but I just will never get over how fascinating I think that is. Also kind his of a trip. Yeah. And, and his mom is an Eden cross and I'm an Eden cross. We have a different like, uh, configuration, but, um, both Eden crosses. And so I think it's really interesting. I think there's definitely, um, a theme there that is a learning experience that your soul is wanting to have with, uh, the cross of Eden and also I mean, just with the six and 36. Yeah, I, I grew up around uh, a manifester as well. And my mom has the 4037, which is your emotional wave. And so I had, you know, rather difficult experiences with the 4037 growing up. And now I'm able to have those experiences that are not necessarily mechanically any less difficult, but from, a, you know, my my perspective as an adult and with you who is aware of the mechanics, who's aware of himself, who's aware of how that's operating. Even if in a moment, it's sometimes hard to remember like, oh, this is what's going on here, but we can always unpack that together. And that's something that is like, so appreciated, but I'm getting slightly off track. Um, <laughs> and I'm getting rambly and I'll, I, we, we could, uh, we could come together another time in the future and talk about our, uh, relationship composite and, and all of the little interesting things about our relationship. If anyone is interested in that, let me know, uh, saying any, any final words, any, any last thoughts, feel free to share them if you have them. Um, I don't have any like thing that feels pressing, but I, I, I very much enjoy talking like to you about mechanics, even like objectively as like a human being. And yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's really like, I mean, I'm a first line, so investigating is always fun for me, but it, there is like this dynamic that's fun to dive into together because we're often 
you know, like living life and existing together, but we don't talk about mechanics and only mechanics in a way that's um, like so theoretical, but also like applicable to our relationship and life. And uh, like, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's fun to just break it down and like reflect for lack of better words. Yeah, it's like from time to time, we'll, we'll get into like a spontaneous mechanical discussion. And then we're always like, damn, I wish we were recording this. This shit is great. But then of course, we're just having a conversation. So there's no recorder, but um, it's, it's cool to be able to do this with you. And I appreciate you. And I love you. And thank you for being on my podcast from the living room while I'm in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, everyone. Uh, yes, it was. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you so much for hanging out with me in this episode of Reflector Life, the podcast. Please feel free to leave a review, share with a friend, or send in a voice message to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, my name is Amanda Purcell. You can find me at amandapurcell.com or at Reflector Life on Instagram. See you next time. Much love.